Well, good morning and welcome. It spooks me every time when the sound goes off like that and then comes back on in. But uh, we're kicking off a brand new series here at Encounter called God on Mute. And more on that in just a minute. I just want to say uh, how awesome it was. Uh, last weekend, we kicked off our co-working space at the Fulton Heights location. Uh, Monday and Tuesday is kind of open co-working for all Lions Share because it's, uh, it's called, it's named uh, Lion Street is where the church is. And it was just, it was really awesome. I got to hang out there um, next to a young professional who was actually that day launching a tool for his work that's actually serving pastors in their ministry. And then on the other side over here, it was a retired gentleman who was um, reflecting on his whole life's endeavor and putting that in an article to be published in a magazine. And it was just, it was really, really neat to, another couple like met their doula there. I mean, it's wild times at the co-working space. So it was really cool to be there. And I can't wait to be there again tomorrow. And I hope you join me Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, like I said, we're in a series right now called God on Mute. And I'll tell you, it's just, this series as a heads up is going to hit a little differently than a lot of series uh, do around here. Uh, for instance, uh, last series was called Unfollow, and the, uh, th- that was organized as a number of more around here, kind of thematically, right? Uh, we're unfollowing noise, unfollowing hurry, unfollowing uh, empty religion, unfollowing comparison. And to do that, we sort of like looked at all different passages uh, in the scriptures, in the Bible, to help teach us, inform us about how to unfollow some of these things. This series, God on Mute, is different in that we're not like skipping around. We're going to hang out in one particular book, the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And uh, it's three chapters long. It's three parts of this series. And we're just going to kind of march our way right through it. And it's going to hit a little bit differently that way. And also, it's, it's going to end on a peculiar way each one of our sessions. Uh, when you came in on that note, you would have received one of these uh, pieces of paper. This is a prayer request form. It's paper and a pen. So very old school. We're kicking it here this morning. If at any time during this message um, the Holy Spirit prompts you to write something down, a prayer request, go ahead and, uh, and like write it down. There's pens in the seat back in front of you. Fulton Heights as well. That's, that's cool while I'm talking. I'm not going to be offended if you're talking to God instead of listening to me. We're good with that, all right? Um, and we'll, we'll do a little more instructions on that in, uh, in a few minutes here. Uh, but the series God on Mute is, uh, is recognizing that there are some times when it feels like the louder we shout, the quieter God becomes. And it's incredibly frustrating. It's been incredibly frustrating <laughs> uh, for my friend. Uh, he was telling me about it was the first time in his life when he was face-to-face with the loss of a loved one. He was 10 years old, and his grandpa that fall received a diagnosis. He wasn't doing well. It was devastating news for my friend when he was a kid because it was his grandpa that would take him on fishing trips. It was his grandpa that took him camping. It was his grandpa that put the worm on a hook and caught the fish. He was closer to his grandpa than he was his own dad. And so when he got the news that grandpa isn't doing well, he recognizes even at 10 that grandpas don't last forever. But listen, he's managing his expectations and praying for just one more summer. One more trip. One more worm on a hook. God, if if it's your will, one more fish. Diagnosis was in fall. He prays. November, December, January, February. He prays so hard that he believes that 
As, as a kid, if he digs his fingernails into his palm and just has it hurt just a little bit, it means that God can hear him that much more because he's working so much harder at it. It's like he's shouting in his prayers, God will have to hear me. And then of March of that year, his grandpa passed. He didn't make it another summer. He didn't make... He didn't make it another worm on a hook. He didn't make it another camping trip. He didn't make one more catch. Why? How can God be good when life is not? It's the big questions that we're asking. If if you're in this valley right now, and you come here and it's like the perfect time to be asking these questions. I am profoundly grateful that you've joined us this morning. If you're here and you're in that valley, you need to know a couple things. The first one, hang on. You need to know that intimacy with God is not formed on the mountain, but in the valley. Hang on. If you're not there this morning, you will be. And it's not a threat against you. It's just a recognition looking around that uh, we're a church of a certain demographic where life tends to be in the, in the windshield, not so much looking back in the rear view. And it's just a law of probabilities. You will be in that season, not on the mountain, but in the valley. And when you're in the valley, you need to remember to hang on. This is where intimacy is created, not on the mountain, in the valley. Habakkuk is going to teach us how to do that remarkably well. His name is important for reasons we'll get to in just a moment, but I need to know that we all know the name of Habakkuk. So all of our locations, Fulton Heights, online, your couch or living room, in the room here at Kenwood, we're going to say Habakkuk all together. Ready? One, two, three. Habakkuk. Nice. If it sounds a little bit like a cough into your elbow, Habakkuk, you're doing it right. If you do that too much, you might need to take a COVID test for the person next to you, but like this is kind of how the process works. Habakkuk is an interesting prophet. He's a minor prophet in the Old Testament, which means he just didn't get called up to the major leagues quite yet. We're still, you know, this is his season. That was a dad joke. There's no baseball in the Old Testament. No. Nope. Uh, as good as it gets, though, guys. So hang, hang with me, me here. Uh, Habakkuk, Old Testament Minor Prophet. It's, just, it's a short book. It's kind of part of this collection called the Minor Prophets. What's interesting about Habakkuk is usually it was a prophet's job to speak on behalf of God to the people. Bring a message from God to the people. Habakkuk inverts that. Habakkuk flips that one around. Instead of speaking from God to the people, Habakkuk speaks from the people to God. And he's got a couple of questions about how God is choosing to manage this operation. Uh, Let's go there. Habakkuk chapter 1, and we'll start it off in verse 1. It simply starts off with this line. This is the prophecy, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Now, we had prophecy underlined. It's a unique word. It's a different word for prophecy. Um, uh, Mesha is the name of the specific kind of prophecy in Hebrew. It's like an utterance. I love what one commentator on this one said uh, about this kind of, this type of prophecy. Um, He called it a burden. That's a good word. It's the burden that Habakkuk carried with him. It was a heavy load. Specifically, what Habakkuk was looking around, and he was uh, he's seeing in his kingdom, this Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, kind of at the tail end, about 600 years before the birth of Christ, 
So about 2,600 years ago, Habakkuk was looking around at Judah, and they were doing great. There's like, there's more than enough. Problem, though, is it's concentrated among a certain class. Um, it wasn't just the inequity. It was the corruption. It was the injustice that really dug in on them. You see, what was happening is that these wealthy few, these landowning class, um, would, would scoop up the properties, and the ones they couldn't get from the peasants, they would go to court, and they would kind of manipulate the court system, use their wealth, use their influence to exact a certain kind of outcome. And if the person couldn't afford defense or couldn't afford to go to the courtroom that day, the judgment would come down, and the rich would just, would just take it. That's what Habakkuk was looking around and going, it's the corruption, it's the injustice of it all. And I'm, and I'm sick of it. Why, God? You know, this is your people. This is your mess. Clean it up. He's bringing this to God. He goes, verse two, how long? How long is this gonna go on? How long, Lord, must I call for your help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Remember, what's interesting about Habakkuk, he's speaking on behalf of the people. I think he's speaking on behalf of you and I. Bringing it before God. How long are you just going to look the other way on corruption, on injustice in this world? Among your people, how long? I mentioned the name of Habakkuk was significant, is significant earlier. The name Habakkuk translated literally means to hang on, to wrestle, to embrace. It's a name. It's also a verb (laughs) to hang in there, maybe by your fingernails, as long as you can. The name Habakkuk, what what comes to mind for me um, as a bedtime ritual with my kids, with, uh, with one of my kids in particular, <laughs> the younger one who's now the bigger one. And uh, he's nine years old. I'm talking him in. And we, part of the routine is now, um, you know, I tuck him in nice, get the water bottle there, get everything. We, we said our prayer. He's in, he's in for the night. I lean over. I'll, I say that lie that's been perpetuated throughout humanity, the biggest lie ever of, okay, I'll see you tomorrow morning. It's like, no. <laughs> we'll see him in about five minutes. <laughs> We'll see him in five minutes when he comes down the stairs. I'm thirsty. Well, that's why there's water next to your bed. We'll see him in five minutes after that when he's like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. <sighs> we'll see him five minutes after that when he says, and I'm not making this up, Dad, my leg doesn't feel like a leg. I needed to get out of bed. Go back to bed. We put him in bed. We tuck him in a little tighter. I hug him. He hugs me back. I let go. He keeps on koala clinging me right back. <laughs> I'm leaning over his bed like this, like, oh, okay, it's time now. And I have to, like, deadlift him up out of bed, right? And he's still like, like a koala on a tree just hanging on to me for dear life. He is, he is Habakkuking onto my neck. Some of you have had the, the pleasure, I'm going to go with that word, have had the pleasure of teaching uh, one of your children how to drive a car. And I think it's like when you've changed somebody's diaper, It's different than when they're in charge of your steel box going on the highway at 75 miles an hour, uh, coming within inches of other steel boxes at 70 miles an hour, sometimes coming in the opposite direction. I didn't know this. That's actually why the handlebar is there on the passenger side seat. 
They're like white knuckling in it, just hanging on, just hanging in there, clinging, right? Embracing, wrestling, holding on for dear life. You are Habakkuking. You're hanging on. And that's what Habakkuk is doing with God. He is, he's hanging on for dear, he's hanging on for dear life. We're gonna see, we're gonna see him hang on for dear life. In this message today, and I'm going to ask you to do that, to Habakkuk, to hang on. Because this message is not going to end well. I said this series is going to hit a little bit different. One of the ways that it's going to hit a little bit different is it's not going to, it's not a, it's not a sitcom sermon. Some of you guys know, know what sitcoms are. I, I found out way too old. It stands for situational comedy. That's, that's not relevant to anything, but I just needed to get that off my chest. Uh, a sitcom, whatever your era is, I don't know, Friends, Seinfeld, The Office, 30 Rock, uh, The Big Bang Theory, something that came after that era, I don't, I don't know. I just kind of stopped there, and now I just, do, I just do reruns. But they have an arc to them, right? Like 30 minutes, everything's fine, it's cool. And then there's some kind of tension or drama. Uh, hilarity ensues, especially as the resolution comes. And like everything after 30 minutes, inclusive of commercial break, the tension, the drama is wrapped up. Loose ends are tied up and it comes to an ending. Netflix starts up the next one and you just kind of go right into it and the cycle repeats itself. That's what a lot of times like what, what sermons are. It's 30 minutes, there's tension, there's drama, there's a nice little bow at the end of it. Usually his name is Jesus and we kind of see you next week. I'm not against that. I do that a fair amount. And I know it's, kinda, it's an effective way to like let's bring along in the Jesus story. Uh, I've been taught that way. I teach others to do it that way. It's just that this isn't, that's not the only way and this isn't that way. Like, as a heads up, there's not going to be a resolution. There's not going to be a nice little bow tied up on the end of this one. This one isn't a sitcom sermon. We might not feel better after today. But I do pray that we would hold on. That we would cling to God. That we would Habakkuk on to him. Today we recognize that sometimes betrayal happens, even among close people, even among married people. Betrayal happens, and we, and we want the story where betrayal happens, and then he recognizes what he, what he has done, he comes back, uh, apologizes, and you begin building and rebuilding a life together, figuring out what what forgiveness might look like. We want that. This isn't that story. This is the story when he leaves. We want the story where, where we get a diagnosis and then get better as a result. This isn't that story. This is the story where we get cancer diagnosis. It's bad. Chemotherapy, chemotherapy ensues. For those of you who have not walked through that particular valley of the shadow of death, chemotherapy is a poison. It's a scorched earth philosophy on one's body with the hope and desire that though everything dies, the person doesn't die all the way through it, but the cancer does, and they could somehow heal and come back to it. You go to war on cancer, on your own body, and somehow you survive the round after round of chemotherapy and are declared cancer-free. For two years, 
And then a routine scan shows that it's back. And you're making plans over what the next round of chemo is going to look like. And you're wondering if I can survive another war. There is not a resolution. There is not a nice little bow at the end. We're just holding on. Habakkuk represents all of us going before God and asking a simple question of verse 3. Why? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? When you could do something about it. Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. Does it seem like somewhere in the story, like God doesn't care? Right? Like he could do something. He just chooses not to. There's kind of an element in the, in, the, in the story, which is all of our story, that has an arc to it. And maybe this arc for you takes a week. Maybe this arc takes 10 years. I don't know what it is. But the arc starts off, and we find Jesus, and everything is great. The sermon is just for me. I get something out of it every week. They sing all my favorite songs, four for four. I can't believe that just happened. God is answering all of my prayers in real time. It's disgusting outside. It's sloppy and messy. I just want a nice parking spot. And lo and behold, God opens one of those up as well. It's like everything is great on the mountaintop experience. Remember, intimacy is not formed on the mountain. Intimacy is formed in the valley. If you're on the mountain, hold on. The valley is coming. A valley when the When the message isn't for you, it's just kind of like, okay, hopefully that was for somebody else. I went 0 for 4 on my favorite songs that morning. God didn't open up a parking spot. And every time I sit down and I pray, it seems like the opposite of what I prayed for happens, not the answer I was looking for. Why did Grandpa have to die? I will remember to hang on. Intimacy is formed not on the mountain, but deep down in the valley. C.S. Lewis uh, was famous for saying, he's a a popular author almost 100 years ago now, and he said, uh, the way that God communicates, God whispers in our pleasures on the mountain. God whispers in our pleasures. He speaks to our conscience, but man, he shouts in our pain. Another uh, ministry couple, Tim and Kathy, Keller um, wrote a book where some of this content comes from called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And they just kind of reflect on on their lives now looking at it in the rear view. And they go, when we got married as kids, they had uh, Psalm 34 engraved on their wedding band. I will extol the Lord at all times. Let the afflicted be glad and rejoice. And Kathy, in particular, looks back and she goes, at the time we had our rings engraved, we had no idea what affliction was. I mean, we didn't, we didn't experience anything so much as an ingrown toenail, let alone suffering. But they, they would. As a ministry couple, they would walk alongside for 40 years next to people who are suffering. She would get cancer, come into remission. He would get cancer. Twice. The second time, stage four, currently, pancreatic cancer. It will probably be what ends him. 
He's going, those words hit differently. I will extol the Lord at all times. Let the afflicted be glad and rejoice. He goes, something happens in the valley where intimacy is created. Something happens. You can't stay neutral in your posture towards God in that valley. You will either hate God, curse his name, and want nothing of him, or you'll be deeper driven into the love of God than you ever thought possible. He, he, he writes, uh, actress, well-known actress, uh, never gave God a thought in her life, at least not on the record. And then when the cameras are rolling after the sudden, abrupt loss of her husband, she tells the world, how could a good God allow something like this to happen? It is impossible to remain neutral in the presence of God deep down in the valley. Yet, this is where intimacy could happen. Habakkuk, hang on. He goes, another, another story is a gentleman that they've walked with in his church who was on the verge, on the brink of losing both his job and his family at the same time. He has a legitimate reason to go before God and just yell at him. What he does is go before God and then to the rest of the people and say, I didn't know, I had no idea. I had no idea what it meant that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Let the afflicted be glad and rejoice. Hang on. This is where intimacy is created, not on the mountain, deep down in the valley. Now it's God's turn. In the next line, God is about to speak. In verse 5, this is what God says. He goes, look at the nations. Remember, voice of God. Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed I am about to do something. I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told you're not going to believe that it's going to happen. Church, if this is a sitcom sermon, this is the part where I get like real excited, right? Because we're landing the plane. We're coming to the ending. God is just about to act, right? The, after the betrayal, right? He comes walking home. No, no, no. He doesn't walk home. He crawls. He grovels home, begging for forgiveness. You consider it, offer forgiveness, and, and learn and grow and start building and rebuilding a life together and live happily ever after. It's a, it's a sitcom. God is about to act. Uh, you go in for one last scan before the chemo routine starts in. And they say, I don't understand what happened. The lab report shows that the cancer is now gone again. I guess no poison, no chemo, no scorched earth. You're, you're healed, you're good to go. I can't explain it. And you're going, I can, I prayed, God moved. I lost my job, and then all of a sudden I got a better one. I can't believe it. It's more pay, better hours, more flexible, more vacation time, and it's for a nonprofit good cause. God speaks. God moved. But this isn't a sitcom sermon. God spoke and said, I'm going to do something about the injustice in Judah. What he does is verse 6, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, yours, not their own. 
Habakkuk's going, you, you got to be kidding me. I looked at the injustice of my own nation, prayed to you, God, represented the concerns of the people, and your answer is, oh, I'll do something about it, all right. I'll take the worst human beings around, and I'll just have them sweep right. I'm bringing an army through. Not exactly what I had in mind, God. Kind of the opposite, right? Hang on. This was... It was about 600 B.C. Numbers count down B.C., and now, they, and now they count up. You're welcome for that fun fact. About 600 B.C., 586 B.C., the Babylonians brought, uh, technically it was two armies, one from the north, one from the southeast. Uh, they converged on Jerusalem, the capital city, the place where Habakkuk was writing about. They laid a siege to it for 18 months. Nothing in, nothing out. They had big walls. Fine, we can wait. The book of Lamentations describes what happened. As fortifications started failing, as starvation set in. The people were weak enough, the defenses were weak enough, that eventually the Babylonians realized, okay, now's the time we can do this safely, at least safely for us. They go into the city. The king flees. He's eventually caught. The city is destroyed. The temple of God, where his presence was known to dwell, was burned to the ground. Nothing left. God. How could you? Habakkuk's response is verse 12. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them, the Babylonians, to execute judgment. You, my rock, there's betrayal in his voice, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrongdoing. Why? Why Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? I mean, we're bad, but not that bad. Why? Why, God? Listen, he's asking the question. He's yelling at God, but that's just it. He's yelling at God. Why? Why? There might be a tone of betrayal in his voice, but he's, why? You're still my rock. Why? He is wondering, but he is not wandering away. He's wondering before the face of God. Church, may we be the kind of community that wonders, but in our wondering, bringing those doubts, bringing those questions before God, we are not wandering away from them. I am convinced to my core that God would rather we We yell at him to his face, then we walk away from him and not speak to him anymore. Our doubts, don't don't deny your doubts. Let your doubts drive you to God. We wonder, but we're not going to wonder. We're going to wonder and we're going to hang on. We're going to embrace. We're going to Habakkuk. We're going to white knuckle this thing all the way. I told you that there was not going to be a resolution. We're not tying up the loose ends on this thing. It's bad. And in chapters two and three, we'll start to see just how bad it gets. But I'd like to leave you with, with, I guess, a a couple of thoughts for for the week ahead. 
as suffering continues to ensue. Pain, valleys happen. I'd like you to know that, number one, God knows what it's like to suffer, even to lose a son. And number two, we're on chapter one of the story. Many of you are on chapter one of your story. Don't wander off in chapter one. Chapter two is not going to get much better, but don't wander off in the chapter one of your story. Wonder, don't wander, hang on, white knuckle it all the way. I was a young woman who attended here more than a handful of times several years ago that uh, she was a college student and she went on a road trip with some friends and they decided to stop off in Lake Michigan to have fun, to have, to have a swim. She's great, innocent, fun. All of her friends got out of the water. She didn't. They called the rescue crew and it took a couple days, but they found her body. I remember video seeing her dad when it was still fresh in front of the, the news cameras. And he was, he was offering hope in his, in his faith, even though what happened couldn't be undone. I had to reach out to him because I wondered what he would say off screen, off the cameras, when the world wasn't watching. And he told me, I will be honest. We are just barely holding on. But it's times like this that I guess God is just going to have to hold on to us. My encouragement to you this week is to hold on to God. Wonder, don't wonder. Hold on to him. This is where intimacy happens. Hold on. Do not forget that as you Habakkuk onto God, God is Habakkuking back onto you. He's clinging around your neck. He's holding onto you. He's white knuckling it with you the entire way. And he knows pain and he knows loss and he knows chapter one isn't the end of the story. Hold on to God as he holds on to you. Church, I want to invite you to stand where you are right now. Fulton Heights, stand up as well. Kentwood, church online, living room, bedroom, coffee shop, wherever you're watching from, go ahead and, and give, it a, give it a stand up. What we're going to do together is, uh, is recognize our presence with God um, by taking uh, that sheet when you, uh, received, uh, when you came in, prayer request sheet. Some of you, I saw, you're filling it out even as I was talking. Much encouraged. Writing down prayer requests. What we're going to do during this last song is actually come forward and to place it on a, on a prayer wall that we have over here. Just roll it up and just put it in one of, the, one of the little circles on the wall. We have a team committed to pray over this wall all week long. We're going to do this all series long. We don't have the answers. There's no resolution, there's no little bow, but we're going to go before God and we're just going to lay it at his feet and say, honestly, Lord, this is your mess. Take it. Do something with it. 
The song that we're going to sing, it's a, it's a throwback for us at church. It's called Oceans. Listen to the... Listen, listen to the lyrics about stepping out into uncertainty, into the unknown, where there might not be the resolution that you're looking for, but yet we bring it before God. And we say, meet us here. So God, we pray and we say, meet us here. Many of us, Lord, we're, we're holding on. We're at the end of our rope. We, we're at the end. This is it. This is all we've got. Hold on to us, Lord, even as we're holding on to your name. Maybe just by our fingertips. God, I want to pray for and with. Lord, somebody, somebody worshiping with us, struggling with mental health. Lord, somebody with us struggling over, over their child. God, help their kid to thrive in their life. If not, Lord, at least in their faith, give us that. God, I want to pray for somebody who's struggling for the direction of their career. Pray for those seeking peace over their own anxiety, Lord. The one searching for a house or choosing a major. God, we pray for a strained friendship, a strained romantic relationship, whatever it might look like, God. We pray for for hope over these things. God, we pray for stress over that decision that we have to make. God, whatever it is where we need to see you move, where uncertainty looms down in the valley, God, give us the courage to write it down and put it on your wall. Meet us here in this place. Hang on to us as we hang on to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church. It's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience, join a small group or a serving team today. You can do all this at EncounterChurch.org.